We're in Genesis chapter 29. We'll start in verse 31, and we're going to try to cover all of chapter 30 also. So hang in there. It's going to be a long one, but never, ever boring. No, well, once in a while we get boring. God has seen that Leah, Jacob's wife, he's seen that she is unloved. And God has a remedy. He will comfort Leah by giving her children. Leah is one of those people that is unloved. Laban, her father, uses her in negotiations with Jacob to get an additional seven years of service out of Jacob by giving Leah as his first bride. Jacob, he didn't love Leah. He loved Rachel, and it was very obvious, and he had no regard whatsoever for Leah. Leah's sister, Rachel, in her mind, she has reduced Leah to the position of a servant who occasionally takes her husband away from her. But God loves Leah. And he sees that she's unloved, and he gives her sons. That is a tremendous remedy by God. For children love unconditionally. Thus, Leah receives that love that she needs from her sons. So let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 29, verse 31 through 35. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Then she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. When God declares that he has seen our affliction... Out of his goodness, out of his very nature, it's required that he do something about it. It's required by his nature that he act upon our behalf. When we read in Scripture that God has heard our prayers, we have great comfort then knowing if God has heard our prayers, he will answer our prayers. God always answers prayer, but not necessarily the way we want. God can simply say, yes, I'm going to give you your request. Or God can say, no, because sometimes we ask what we call a miss. Oftentimes, when we look back upon a situation, we're glad God didn't answer certain prayers. 
God can also say to us, not now. The timing of our request, it can be uh, all wrong. And we're not ready to receive a yes answer to our prayer. Not now does not mean maybe. And there's a world of difference. Uh, Sometimes we think if, if I clean up my act and do the good things that I'm supposed to do, have my quiet time, have my devotion, give my tithes and offerings, perhaps God will reconsider and give me what I want. That's why God never says maybe. He never answers you with a maybe. The only answer to a prayer will be yes, no, or not now. There's no other answers. And I urge all of us to keep a journal where we write down our prayer requests, and I guarantee you, you will be surprised at how often God answers prayer. But God has seen Leah's affliction, and he gives her sons. Reuben, the firstborn, means God looked upon my afflictions. Leah concludes, now my husband Jacob, he will love me. And then comes Simeon. And God, his name means, and God has given me this son also. Then Levi, now my husband will become attached to me. And they're all self uh, helps for Leah as she names her children. And then Judah, and finally with Judah, she says, I will praise the Lord. It only took four sons. <laughs> but now she's going to praise the Lord. She's in the right frame of mind. And it's interesting that the Messiah will come through the tribe of Judah. And then she stops bearing children. Now, there's a period of time here. We don't know how much time is between the birth of her sons but it's a minimum of four to five years, you know? And she is comforted by her children. All the while, Rachel remains barren. Rachel, the beautiful one, the beloved one, she has a reaction to her sister having sons. And let's pick that up in Genesis 30, and we'll read 1 through 24. Now, when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? So she said, Here's my maid Bilhah. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees, that I also may have, a, have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, as wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my case. He has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. 
Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilph, Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes, so she called his name Gad. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben, the story kind of changes pace here. Now Reuben went, went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, it is a small matter that you have taken away my husband. Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he, meaning Jacob, will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. And when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. We could entitle these verses, Polygamy Gone Wild. We have Bilhah, Rachel's maid, and she has two sons. Zilpah, Leah's maid, also has two sons. And Jacob's little baby factory is pumping out sons. In verse 1, we hear the desperation of Rachel. And she says, give me children. And she says this to Jacob, give me children or else I die. What a demand. And this demand by Rachel, it angers Jacob. Rachel has put on Jacob the responsibility of her having children when it is obvious that Rachel is the one who is barren. And this logic doesn't escape Jacob. And his reply is strong. Am I in the place of God? who has withheld from you children. Oftentimes, we can put the responsibility of our own happiness, our own fulfillment, our own goals in life, and we can blame our spouse or someone that is close to us. We can say things, I'm not successful at work because things are so chaotic at home. 
my husband or my wife, they do not meet my needs, so I am depressed. If I were to receive encouragement versus criticism, perhaps I would be happy. And we become very adept at making excuses for our own unhappiness or our own depression. And in a moment of anger, Jacob tells Rachel the truth. And he tells her the truth about her situation. Jacob fully realizes that it's God that gives life. And he makes Rachel aware of this by saying, God has withheld from you, children. And all you got to do, Rachel, is look around. There's two maids and my other wife, Leah, that are bearing children. God, who created man, is also in control of who conceives and who does not conceive to bear children. I don't believe for a moment that any conception of life is accidental. I, I just can't go there. In my humble opinion, this is one of the reasons God hates abortion, because it is against him. Abortion is so contrary, so opposing to the plan of God for mankind. God told, way back in the garden, told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Abortion is mankind's way of saying, we will determine who lives and who dies. Now, anytime you talk to a group of people, there is that possibility that there's someone that's had an abortion. I'm here to tell you God can forgive that in a moment. He's a gracious God. He can forgive that. But it is a sin that is against him. Whether we realize it or not, abortion has affected each and every one of us. You cannot abort millions and millions of babies without it affecting you personally. How many solutions, how many cures for different ailments have been aborted? How many discoveries have gone undiscovered? for the betterment of mankind because they've been aborted. One of the ministries we support here at Calvary Chapel as a church is Choose Life, Save a Life. And they do a great job of convincing pregnant mothers to go full term and have their babies. And I take my hat off to them. Think back when Abraham's wife, Sarah, gave her maid to Abraham. Rachel, Jacob's wife, along with Leah, give their maids to Jacob, their husbands. And in this situation, it was up close and personal. The maid and the owner of the maid would be right there in the same room or tent when conception was going on. And then when the child was to be born, the maid and the 
owner would be right there in the same room. So it was a close-knit thing. These surrogate mothers were just that. They were surrogate. The child belonged to the maid's owner. And that's just the way it was then. But in verse 14, we have a change of scenes there. And we have Reuben. He's a young, young lad now. We don't know how old. And he goes out in the wheat fields and he finds some mandrakes. Now, mandrake is a root plant similar to an onion, perhaps a turnip, something of that nature, growing underground. And in the Hebrew, it is called love apples. Oh, yes. <laughs> mandrakes were supposed to bring fertility to a woman. Reuben... The young man, he brings these mandrakes home to his mom, Leah. Rachel approaches Leah and, and pleads for the mandrakes. Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. And then we have insight into their relationship between Rachel and Leah. Rachel knows Jacob worked 14 years for her. Rachel knows that Jacob loves her. She also knows that Jacob would not have worked one day for Leah. But the Lord has blessed Leah with sons. And so we have this tension now between Rachel and Leah in the family. Leah has sons. Rachel has Jacob's love. Rachel now wants the mandrakes. And she offers Leah Jacob. She offers Leah her own husband as payment for the mandrakes. This family is so dysfunctional that Rachel now decides whom Jacob will sleep with. And God is again, he's seen and he's heard Lisa's, Leah rather, plight. And God opens the womb of Leah again, not a mandrake. And Leah has a fifth son, Issachar. And Leah has a sixth son, Zebulun. And Leah holds out for the hope that her husband will now love her and dwell with her. And then finally, Leah has a daughter, Dinah. Just plain old Dinah. No symbolism in her name. I thought that was interesting. You know, she's had six sons and she's named them all these different meanings. And then she has a girl. Yeah, she's just a girl. <laughs> Not me. She didn't give her, <laughs> she gave no meaning to the name Dinah. Have you ever looked at the naming of children in the Bible? It's sort of amazing. The children see it, seem to take on the meaning of their name. And I'm thinking these mothers must have waited till the child was about 20 before they named them. How could they do that? But anyway, we have God showing Rachel mercy. And he opens her womb and she has a son. Verse 22, my son Joseph has removed my reproach of no children. Reproach 
is removed from Rachel, but it reveals her heart. We get to the picture of her heart here. Joseph happens to mean, give me one more. <laughs> Rachel, appreciate the one you have. Oh, I want one more, God. <laughs> Rachel, she's an example of our sinful nature and how greed in its basic form is never satisfied. At the time of Joseph's birth, Jacob now begins to get homesick. He's wanting to go back to his own country of Cana. And so we pick it up in Genesis 30, verse 25, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wives and my children from whom I have served you, and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, Name me your wages, and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you and how your livestock have been with me. For what you have had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount, and the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now, when shall I also provide for my own house? And he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all the flocks today, removing from there all the speckled and the spotted sheep, all the brown ones among the lambs, and the spotted and the speckled among the goats, and all these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, brown among the lambs, will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hands of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar, and of the almond and chestnut trees, peel white strips in them, and expose the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled he set before the flocks in the gutters, and in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth speckled, streaked, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs, and made the flocks face towards the streaked and all the brown and in the flocks of Laban. He, but he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed the rods before the eyes of the livestock in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. 
But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. Jacob has went to Laban and he has a request. Send me on my way. Let me go to my own country and I want your blessings upon me and your daughters and your grandkids, Laban. Laban has a reply. Please stay, Jacob. <laughs> and then he says, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Laban, he practiced divination, which is a pagan practice. He knows he is very wealthy because of Jacob. It is, he's learned this by experience, and his div divinations have told him that it's not because of him, but because of Jacob. Now Laban has a problem. His blessing, his moneymaker, his servant of profit, the one that has made him rich, wants to leave. And thus we hear Laban say, Please stay, Jacob. <laughs> and then we have a new round of negotiation between Jacob and Laban. And But this time, Jacob sets the wages, not Laban. Give us that. Give us that lamb picture. <laughs> All right. Can you see that? Notice on the right, there are two brown sheep. I got that off of Craigslist this morning. <laughs> Just wanted to show you what a flock of sheep are. Predominantly white, too brown. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> um, Laban is begging Jacob to stay. They negotiate a new deal. And the livestock that Jacob will take for himself are the speckled, the spotted, and the brown ones. And you can see they're a great minority in any flock of sheep. Sheep are white, not speckled, spotted, or brown, predominantly. The, Jacob takes the minority. He takes the weaker gene of the sheep because they do not reproduce like the white ones will normally. Now, we don't have a lot of sheep in our area, but out in the country there are, and you just plain do not see many speckled or spotted sheep or brown ones. They're almost always white. But don't miss this. Jacob is now exercising faith. He has set his wages with Laban as an act of faith that God will bless the lesser. God will not bless the greater. He's going to bless me because I'm the one that is giving, taking on the least. And it's an act of faith by Jacob because we hear Laban said, Oh, that were according to your word. Laban is so pleased with the offer that Jacob makes that he says, oh, yippee, 
I'm for it, Jacob. Let's do it. <laughs> and with that, Jacob separates himself from Laban, and he puts three days' journey between himself and Laban, where there can be no wandering lambs that will get intermixed with the other flocks and so forth. And Jacob goes through this stripping of bark off of young saplings and trees, and uh, it, this is supposed to cause the sheep and the goats to reproduce spotted and speckled sheep. Later on, Jacob will say, Hey, I understood that it was God blessing me, not me stripping the bark off of saplings. <laughs> Jacob understood the way to God's blessings. It's important that we understand that God wants to bless us and that we have God's blessings. And I say this of each and every one of us here. We are rich beyond words when we consider the world standard of living. In biblical days, if you knew where tomorrow's meal was coming from, you were considered wealthy. I would venture to say all of us have enough food in our houses right now to take us probably a week or so at least. Jacob, he has purposefully chosen the lesser, the downside of an agreement between him and Laban as an act of faith. Jacob is saying, I want God's blessing. I will take the lesser. And he's giving God an opportunity to show his blessings to him. Remember the Abraham and Lot thing? When Lot came before Abraham and it was Lot that chose the well-watered plains and Abraham said, okay, I'll take the area that's not so well-watered. And we have Jacob now, the grandson of Abraham, Abraham known as the man of faith. And now Jacob, his grandson, begins to exercise faith. Jacob has come to understand he would rather have God's blessing upon the few than the many without God's blessing. Have we learned that? Have you really learned that? I hope we have. Do we realize how wonderful it is to have God's blessings upon our life? You can go, it's not so popular right now, but just a few years back it was, uh, the Bible bookstores were loaded with books that had titles like, why do bad things happen to good people? Flip that over. Turn, turn, turn that over. I think it should be, why do good things happen to bad people? And that's where we are. Jacob was a sinful man. He was a deceiver. And God blesses him. Without washing dirty laundry here... <laughs> I am a sinner that God is blessing, and so are you. And for that, we can rejoice.
God looks upon us. He sees our plight. He looked upon Leah. He saw her plight. He gave her sons. Not out of the goodness of Leah. Out of his goodness, God gave her sons. What a beautiful place to be in the hands of the living God. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we come before you and perhaps we don't express enough, Lord, I know I don't, of how I am grateful for your blessings upon my life. Lord, I'm convinced that you bless me as much as I can tolerate without being lifted up in pride and everything else, Lord. So I thank you for your blessings. We, your people, thank you for your blessings upon our lives. Continue your goodness towards us, Lord. And let us be men and women of faith. Let us give you things that you can bless. Jacob, he gave you the speckled and the spotted sheep, and you blessed him. Let us give you what we have, Lord, and allow you to bless him. We thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for Jesus who gives us salvation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who dwells in us, gives us that relationship with you. Thank you for your wonderful blessings on our life. Thank you for giving us a heart and mind that receives the truth, Lord. A tremendous blessing is the truth. So, we, your children, worship and praise you and thank you for your goodness to us. We would ask that you would just continue to bless us, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.